Welcome, friends, freaks, and interdimensional beings visiting from all different wavelengths and frequencies to the Mental Pop Podcast brought to you by Primordial Productions. My name is Mad, and I'll be your host today. And if you want to check out the archive of episodes, the easiest way to do that right now is at the brand new website, which is mentalpop.space, where each and every episode is available, as well as a new blog. And be sure to say hello with the new voicemail feature there. And there are lots of cool surprises on the way from mentalpop.space. Also, you can say hello at mentalpop31 on Facebook or mentalpop31 on Instagram. And if you're feeling in a really generous mood and want to support this endeavor, uh, you can check out hundreds of pieces of my original art, uh, which are currently for sale at geneticmemory.online. And if you go over there and you see some high prices, please keep in mind that to ship a standard size canvas, uh, it's going to be somewhere between 20 and 30 bucks to ship it. Not to mention the time I got to take to package and mail the damn thing. And I hate charging 100 bucks for a 16 by 20 canvas, uh, but keep in mind it's going to be like 25 bucks to ship something that size. So I try to have a wide variety of items uh, with an honest price range of 7 bucks to 150 bucks. Uh, and there are buy one, get one free sales, and more items will be added soon. Uh, likewise, if you're in the greater Indianapolis area, I'd be happy to meet you somewhere uh, so we can forget all about the shipping charges. So again, I hope you'll check out mentalpop.space and geneticmemory.online if you're curious to see roughly 300 pieces of my original artwork or if you want to purchase a little something to help keep things like this podcast moving forward. Now, I was feeling a little down earlier this week because I started thinking about how pointless it is or how at least uh, how cliché it already feels to talk about such things as the World Economic Forum's Great Reset uh, which is currently being supported and adopted by billionaire elites and globalists around the world on their awesome plan to use COVID for a great restructuring of world economies and a restructuring of capitalism. Or how the idea of the Great Reset also came right after the World Economic Forum hosted Event 201 in October of 2019, just six weeks before COVID hit the scene. Or how pointless and redundant it feels to talk about alternative viewpoints and perspectives regarding COVID-19 or government overreach, media manipulation, and endless psychological operations by our politicians. Surely everybody is awake and aware and angry by now. And uh, they're angry about how we're all being manipulated, right? Or at the very least, people have to be very suspicious of everything going on, right? It's all too obvious and there's too much information available for anybody to be buying into the mainstream narrative hook, line, and sinker, right? Surely, the majority of Americans aren't going to allow vaccine mandates every year and vaccine ID cards and government-regulated and forced vaccines, right? There's no way that in America, land of the free and home of the brave and the well-informed citizens with infinite information and research at their fingertips... No way are Americans merely submitting and accepting government-enforced vaccine mandates every year in order to have a job or to enter public buildings now, are we? You wouldn't think so. Yet I still find myself mentioning the globalist Great Reset to People or Event 201, uh, usually when I'm responding to over-opinionated folks who want to give their unsolicited and regurgitated beliefs, uh, who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about uh, when I mention the Great Reset. They have no idea what I'm talking about when I mention COVID stats and figures that aren't being constantly force-fed by mainstream media. Or they have no idea what I'm talking about when I mention the accepted science of the American eugenics movement of the early 20th century, uh, which I went into some detail with in our last episode, so I hope you'll go back and check that out. But while it may seem pointless, or that everybody should already see through the bullshit that's being pumped through the mainstream filters and the deceptions being told by politicians and corporate-endorsed scientists and so-called experts on a daily basis. We have to keep in mind that a great deal of people, usually people who are very loud and vocal and over-opinionated with their unsolicited opinions uh, and beliefs about politics and COVID, they have absolutely no idea what the Great Reset is and don't know any information about really much of anything that isn't in their daily MSN or CNN or Fox News feed. And sure, uh, they look at you like you've got two heads and you're one of those people, uh, automatically insinuating that you are a crazy conspiracy theorist. 
What they are really proving is that they have no idea what the hell they are talking about. But boy, oh boy, do they constantly want to keep talking about it. All we keep seeing over and over is that anyone who opposes vaccine mandates or these draconian measures of censorship are just part of a small minority. And we should just shun them and shame them and label them as unclean. And they shouldn't be allowed to have jobs because they are a danger to the community. And guys, let me in on, uh, let you in on a little secret as to why I do these weekly podcasts. One of the reasons is that I have a whole lot to say and a whole lot on my mind, uh, but I'm usually a pretty quiet person and I keep to myself. I try to stay out of political discussions in my everyday life, and I surely don't insinuate them. Uh, but nine out of ten times uh, that I do speak out is in uh, retaliation to the unsolicited political opinions of other people or the unsolicited COVID opinions of other people, people who think that vaccines should be mandated in order to have a job, or people who think that the unvaccinated are terrible people, and if they don't get vaccinated, screw them, uh, they shouldn't have hospital care, and they deserve to die. The clean versus the unclean. And the same type of divisiveness, uh, divisive witch hunt uh, that keeps popping up century after century. I instantly realized that most people have very little idea or understanding of what's really going on, and it only further alienates me from having so-called wild and fringe beliefs. Hey, it's not on MSN or Fox. It must be a wild fringe belief, right? Say, maybe he's a domestic terrorist because he's thinking and expressing his own thoughts. So I tend to keep my thoughts and opinions and research to myself, unless I feel pushed to the point of almost exploding. That's for me to talk about these issues and talk about my own personal rabbit hole of research and experiences only makes me feel all the more alone and alienated in any social situation, in any given public setting. You know how goddamn lonely and alienating it's been to not have a political affiliation for the past two years? It's like people honestly can't understand how you're not on one political side or the other because that false paradigm and forced duality is all they can comprehend. But I honestly don't care what people think about me. And I commend all those people out there who are an army in of themselves. And I do believe in planting seeds. And I do have a lot of thoughts and ideas I feel necessary to express and get off my chest. Thus, the reason for this podcast and my new blog. And if you want to, people want to hear my thoughts on a subject or maybe get some more information or an alternative perspective, they get to choose whether or not they want to listen to this show. I'm not just going around with my divisive and overly, overly opinionated and unsolicited opinions to anyone who will listen to me. And I find that most of the people who are like this, uh, constantly inserting their unsolicited political or COVID opinions based on the so-called extensive research of MSN and CNN, are really only looking for validation as to why they believe what they believe. They're either seeking validation that you agree, or they are seeking a validation of their superiority if you disagree. And that's a lot of what's going on right now in the world. It's just a bunch of assholes on one side and a bunch of assholes on the other side, all looking for validation that they are on the so-called right side of history and have the high ground and superior moral and ethical authority. I look at what's going on right now, the division, and just the other utter lunacy and idiocy on both sides. And it's both very sad and very scary. Sad and scary that this is the best that humanity has to offer right now. It's sad and scary that people like Trump and Biden, who are both pushing 80 years old, are the best American politics has to offer as the leader of the supposed free world. And when I do read mainstream news headlines, it just makes me literally feel physically ill. Physically ill because my intuition tells me that so much of it is just bullshit headlines meant to stir more fear and division. And sick because I understand that the vast majority of people are falling forward hook, line, and sinker. When Facebook and Instagram went down last week for 10 hours or whatever, I think myself and probably a whole lot of folks were really, really wishing it would just stay offline permanently. I think a lot of confusion and divisiveness and mental illness would ease in the world if Facebook and Instagram would stay offline. <clears throat> but like I said, I do believe in planting seeds. Though I'm at the point where I think uh, those who are already set in their beliefs one way or the other, there will be no convincing them. And we shouldn't waste too much time trying to show them information and truths. Most people are willfully ignorant at this point. And a large part of that willful ignorance stems from both fear 
and never nurturing the ability to actually think for themselves in a critical, logical, and rational fashion. Just like your arms and legs and stomach muscles, so too does your brain rot and not function properly when you never actually use it. And a whole lot of folks really aren't using it these days and are afraid of not only of thinking critically and independently, but they themselves have a bit of a streak of cowardice in the fact that they realize that it is a lonely road. Truth is a lonely road. Most people choose not to follow a path of truth in any meaningful or personal or life-changing manner because they are afraid of what people might think of them and afraid of being alone in the fight. But that being said, I'm trying to find similar-minded people, uh, the people who are already awake, at least to some degree, uh, on the wickedness and deception and corruption that's taking place right now. I'm more interested in finding the critical thinkers and the open-minded ones and the ones who realize that they are still learning, that we should all still be learning every single day and not automatically think that we already know it all and already have all the answers because we agree with a mainstream news outlet or a political party. I'm seeking the tribe of a similar vibe and not going to waste too much time uh, trying to get through to the sleepers. And if you're somebody who believes vaccines should be mandatory for everyone or to, in order to work or to enter a public building, or if you are in a war of yourself being the clean one versus the unclean and unwashed masses, or if you wish certain people would die of COVID just so you feel better about yourself and your viewpoints and opinions, I'm sorry, but you are either asleep or more or less an asshole and a sociopath. Consider that. So anyway, welcome to the Mental Pop Podcast, which will be a weekly rundown of not only some current events, but also topics of politics and conspiracy, the bizarre and unusual, the weird and uncanny, history, science, infotainment, and uh, certain items of pop culture. And if you so choose to listen to this show, I appreciate it. And I'll do my best not to be uh, completely full of shit like virtually 99% of everything else that's going on in the world these days. And if you appreciate this podcast, drop a line, say hello, or please share with somebody else whom you think might also appreciate it. Okay, so last week I took off from this podcast to go on a little vacation to the awesome city of Louisville. So excuse me if some of the current events of today's episode might be a little old, uh, at least a week old at this point. Uh, but let's see, what's, uh, what's been going on lately that made me want to scream at the top of my lungs and rip my face off? Well, first up, COVID-19 makes up about 6 out of every 10 news stories in any given news feed. Uh, so lo and behold, I'd like to take a few minutes talking about some COVID news. Uh, now, I talked a little bit about this in our last episode, but a recent report states that vaccinated people are less infectious than unvaccinated people. And I need to take a minute to comment on this little, a little bit more in greater detail. A new study states that people vaccinated against COVID-19 are less infectious than those who have not been vaccinated. Okay, now this study comes despite the fact that for nine months now, uh, we've been seeing opposing information that states that the vaccinated and the unvaccinated are equally as infectious and breakthrough infections have been going up and up over the past couple months as well. Yet now that there is a Biden mandate requiring workers to get vaccinated, this magical new article comes out and states that the vaccinated are less infectious than the unvaccinated. Okay, a few things here. Number one, uh, this data is supposedly based on 100,000 people who have been vaccinated against the CDC's estimates that nearly 3 billion people on the planet have now been fully vaccinated with nearly 6.5 billion doses of the vaccine floating around out there. Now, think about that for a moment. 6.5 billion doses of an experimental vaccine have been given out in less than a year. And that's utterly insane to me. Not to mention the profit margin of the pharmaceutical industry, uh, which gave out those 6.5 billion doses. The pharmaceutical company and vaccine manufacturer Moderna has reached the Forbes list of richest companies for the first time during this COVID pandemic. But that's not the point here. The point here is that to even hit 1% of 3 billion vaccinated people, the study conducted would have had to have tested this theory on 30 million people. Yet how many test subjects were in this study? 100,000. So we're basing uh, this information uh, that the vaccinated are less infectious than the unvaccinated based on something with less than a 0.1% of the total vaccinated population. And to me, that's not a big enough test group to speak for the 3 billion people on this planet who have now been vaccinated. By comparison, if you had a test group of 100,000 people against 3 billion people, how much would you really trust those odds with anything? 
You've tested on something drastically lower than even 1% of those, the study group. And yes, uh, it's a study group who are involved. I don't know. I think uh, it would take something a little bit more credible than a focus group of 0.1% to make any valid scientific statement, uh, particularly where experimental drugs and a new virus and people's health are concerned. Two, the new study that says vaccinated are less infectious than the unvaccinated has not yet been peer-reviewed. Yet this headline has made its way to several major news outlets, basically presented as fact, uh, probably knowing full well that most people will just read the headline uh, while the vaccinated will breathe a sigh of relief, uh, but not too deeply because they don't want to catch COVID from the fresh air, and then believing they did their part and are on the right side of history and are no longer infectious. Three, now I wouldn't deny the potential that a vaccinated person is less infectious than an unvaccinated person. At least in terms of the flu, uh, that would seem to be what the data shows us for the flu vaccine. And this is for the following reasons, though the CDC never really states uh, why these reasons would be. My interpretation of it would be this. Vaccinated people are less likely to be coughing and sneezing or have extra mucus discharge, body sweat, or other bodily secretions. The vaccinated, if they are not sick, are still equal carriers to the unvaccinated, but they are less likely to spread it by bodily fluids. Okay, I can see that. I could accept that. However, as the media experts have told us over and over and over again, uh, beating it over our heads for two years now, uh, COVID is supposedly 10 times more infectious than a normal flu, and the Delta variant is supposedly twice as infectious as regular COVID. And let's not even get started on Lambda and Mu, the mutations that are currently resistant to vaccines altogether. So it doesn't seem likely that the idea of the vaccinated being less infectious can kind of go right out the window. Now, we're supposedly dealing with something that's 20 times as infectious as the typical flu. So it'd be my guess that, I don't know, maybe we, can, we can't uh, just blindly accept that a vaccine works the same against this as it works against a flu. And we can't accept, uh, accept a study uh, that's only been done on less than 1% on those who have been vaccinated. Hey, guess what? New reports are now stating that COVID has mutated yet again to magically be able to tra travel even farther distances through the air and float around even longer in closed spaces. Oh, it's evolving and becoming smarter. So scary. Another recent report from the Department of Pulling Information Out of Their Asses states that you are 235% more likely to end up in the hospital due to the Delta variant than the old version of COVID. And this info comes uh, after nine months, having nine months to study uh, the Delta variant and reporting this fact. Uh, after Delta has already peaked now, hospitalizations and deaths are now on the decline. Saying Delta was 235% more deadly uh, kind of makes it look like our lockdown measure measures and everything we did for COVID in 2020 was absolutely pointless. Anyway, it seems a bit premature to be announcing this recent study of vax versus unvax as a fact. And doing a victory lap while all those vaccinated people are merely reading the headline and patting themselves on the back. And they would be giving themselves, uh, giving each other high fives, but now they're only allowed to do elbow bumps. And I got to tell you, folks, I've never paid much attention to the vaccine debate because I really didn't care. Of course, I've heard stories that it uh, might cause autism. It does cause autism and various negative side effects and having dangerous and deadly chemicals and using genetic materials from various animals and embryos and cover-ups and hiding evidence of these facts, etc., etc. Uh, but I was, myself, I haven't been vaccinated in 30 years. Uh, just I've never felt I needed to. Uh, and I can count uh, the times I've actually been sick with the flu uh, probably on one hand in the past 30 years. But that being said, the more I dig into vaccine information and dig into vaccine information provided by the CDC, no less, the more it just seems like a huge scam and a bunch of bullshit. The CDC's website offers some rather vague information on certain topics regarding flu shots, and a lot of it is worded like it's talking down to mentally incompetent people. They recommend a flu shot every single year and act like it's a terrible plague and you'll be protecting yourself and others uh, by stirring up this overly hyped fear about the flu. Uh, but once again, I can only speak for myself. I've somehow lived a kind of wild life. Uh, I've been around tons of people in my day, spent a lot of time in bars, with, shall we say, probably uh, less than sanitary conditions. And I've never had a flu that I felt was life-threatening in any way, and I can only count on one hand how many times I've gotten sick with the flu in the past 30 years. Yet it's recommended that everyone over 18 get a flu shot every single year or they might die or kill someone else. That seems a very drastic recommendation coming from the health experts there. 
It definitely makes me question who's funding this research and these recommendations. And it makes me question what annual flu shots are actually doing to people's immune systems that become dependent on a viral concoction being pumped into their bodies on a regular basis. Now, I'm not an idiot. If you're over the age of 65 or if you have a compromised immune system, hey, maybe annual flu shots are a good idea. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I want to stress that. Nor am I saying that there's absolutely no merit or that they can't help certain people. If you get flu shots annually and now we're going to get COVID shots annually, that's none of my business. And it's your choice and decision to make. But I'm sorry, the more I look into mass vaccination campaigns in general, the more a lot of it seems just kind of like bullshit. And my God, people think about this fact that in less than a year, they have inoculated about one third of the entire population of the planet with an experimental vaccine that didn't exist a year ago for a virus that is new to human history. They have inoculated 3 billion people against a virus that has, in two years, had a supposed positive infection rate of 230 million people and a literal survival rate of 98%. Let me emphasize this fact again. In two years, COVID has infected a little less than 3% of the total global population with a survival rate of 98% of that 3%. Yet over 30% of the population has now been fully vaccinated with hundreds of millions of more people who have gotten at least one dose. Gee, I don't know. Overreact much? Maybe that's because the media and politicians can't stop telling us how afraid and anxious and worried we should be 24-7 on every major news outlet and every single online news feed while Big Pharma keeps pulling in those record-breaking profits. Big Pharma, who are annually the largest media advertiser and political lobbyist, with nearly $30 billion put towards promotion and pushing bills and legislation every year. And let's take a second to look at a few recent reports of breakthrough infections. Just in New York, uh, they've had about 87,000 breakthrough infections. And of course, scientists say there's no need to worry. It's only 0.7% of total vaccinations in New York. It's rare. Move along. There's nothing to see here. Yet these same scientists will use a test group of 0.1% to tell us that vaccinated people are less infectious than the unvaccinated. What we're seeing in the scientific community uh, having some extremely hypocritical double standards in order to try and convince and manipulate us into believing what they want us to believe, or more so what their big pharma sponsors want us to believe. 0.1% proves that the vaccinated are less infectious, while 0.7% breakthrough infections is no big deal in New York. You see how that works? Also on the subject of breakthrough infections, at a hospital in Pennsylvania, breakthrough infections make up 23% of COVID patients. Once again, the doctors and scientists say it's nothing to worry about because these 23% won't have a quote-unquote bad outcome. Excuse me, they're in the hospital with a breakthrough infection. Nearly 25% of the people at this hospital in Pennsylvania are fully vaccinated, yet it's no big deal because it's not a bad outcome. They are in the damn hospital. How is that not a bad outcome? But no need to worry, folks. The experts and scientists and doctors are all right on top of it. Nothing to see here. No data manipulation or information manipulation going on here at all. The world is full of unethical hypocrites and corporate sellouts. And y'all, when we're talking about pharmaceuticals, that's over a trillion dollar a year industry with even hired record-breaking profits due to COVID and tens of millions of dollars just going out annually to doctors and scientists in order to influence the public mindset or endorse new pharmaceutical products and devices. The pharmaceutical industry annually spends $25-plus billion a year on advertisements and tens of millions more on leading uh, political lobbyists. And something that's a little mind-boggling comes in the fact that out of the uh, over $1 trillion in profits every year for Big Pharma, the U.S. and Canada account for 50% of those sales and advertisements. The U.S. and Canada makes up less than 10% of the world population combined, but 50% of all pharmaceutical sales, profits, lobbying, and advertisements uh, is from the U.S. and Canada. Americans are the most heavily medicated, depressed, anxious, and mentally unstable country on the planet. 
A mainstream article from Yahoo News stated this week that hundreds of thousands of U.S. military personnel have so far refused the vaccine mandate, as well as hundreds of thousands of healthcare workers, teachers, police, and firefighters across the country. Then I see a mainstream propaganda article stating that unvaccinated police are a threat to the community and they should all be fired and their salaries given to public health organizations. These cowardly scumbags who write such pieces and who consider themselves journalists are stating that hundreds of thousands of U.S. military personnel, healthcare workers, nurses, teachers, police and firefighters are the reason that COVID is still around and uh, they should all be fired uh, and their salaries given to healthcare initiatives. Let's not forget the fact that thousands of flights have been canceled this past week as airline pilots and flight attendants choose suspension over firing uh, and firing instead of having a forced vaccination in order to keep their jobs. According to an MSN article from today, uh, at last month, a record po- uh, 4.3 million people quit their job. And other articles are stating that up to 50% of the workforce will be quitting and seeking new employment in the coming year. And I can only see the vaccine mandate as having something to do with that. And speaking of MSN, let me read you a little infuriating quote uh, from a recent article entitled, Name, Shame, and Fine, How to Enforce the Vaccine Mandate. Quote, The vast majority of employers want everybody to be vaccinated, said Lawrence Gostin, a professor of public health at John Hopkins University. It's only a small but vocal minority who don't. What we have to do is capture the attention of the silent majority and have them blow the whistle on employers and employees who won't comply. Whistleblowing will be a major factor in the vaccine mandates. So you see what they're doing here. Uh, The very title of this article itself uh, says we must shame the unvaccinated uh, while this stooge from John Hopkins University, uh, who gets massive donations from the Bill Gates Foundation, by the way, Uh, While he states that employees need to turn into thinks and narcs if their business isn't uh, pushing vaccines or their co-workers aren't vaccinated. And they want to marginalize millions and millions of American workers being nothing but a small fringe minority while shaming them and telling people to rat them out if they're unvaccinated. And once again, I want to say this is going on all over the world. So if we want to say there are millions of people in the United States, there are millions and millions and millions across the globe who are standing up to these mandates, uh, to these draconian measures, to these vaccine passports, uh, facial recognition apps uh, to contact trace and make sure we're in quarantine. People are getting fed up more and more. And as the media lies more and more, it's becoming more and more obvious, at least so I hope. I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. Can we mandate vaccines across the country? No, that's not a role that the federal government, I think, even has the power to make. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. And what I just played was a little clip from Biden and Fauci and Pelosi and the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki or whatever the hell her name is, all stating the vaccines would not become mandatory. Biden said he wouldn't make vaccines mandatory like four times before he was elected. And for the record, Biden also stated that if elected president, he was going to cure cancer. So we can all surely look forward to President Biden curing cancer in the next couple of years, right? But I just wanted to show the hypocrisy here that Biden and Fauci uh, both said vaccines wouldn't become mandatory, yet here we are. Uh, But let's move on to another recent study that was recently conducted on the topic of the need to vaccinate every child uh, 6 to 18 years old. A new study states that kids, particularly boys, uh, 6 to 18 years old, are 4 to 6 times more likely to be hospitalized due to cardiac issues or or heart inflammation uh, due to COVID vaccines than they are to end up in the hospital from COVID itself. Yes, a new scientific survey, which actually seems to be trying to be honest for a change, uh, states that kids 6 to 18 are 4 to 6 times more likely to end up in the hospital due to side effects from the vaccine than from COVID itself. Yet Biden and Fauci and the FDA and Big Pharma are saying that by the end of the year, kids uh, will be recommended to get the vaccine or they can't attend school. 
They are knowingly giving kids something that is four to six times more potentially harmful to them than actually getting COVID. And I'm sorry to me, uh, it's uh, the fact that the vaccinated are still just as infectious as the unvaccinated. Uh, we haven't proven that the vaccinated are less infectious is what I'm trying to say there. Um, so I don't know what the point is of giving little kids an experimental vaccine for something that hardly has any impact uh, on them. Definitely no positive impact. An article from a few weeks ago stated that something like uh, 230 kids or something under the age of 18 had died of COVID in the United States in the past year. And we can say, oh, that's shocking, that's sad, that's tragic. Yeah, guess what? Like 260 kids under the age of 18 have died of violence just in the city of Chicago in the past year. More kids have died of violence in Chicago in the past year than who have died of COVID in the U.S. Yet by their logic, we somehow still need to vaccinate tens of millions of kids with something that is proven to be more harmful them, to them than actually getting COVID. And they're going to be just as infectious still. How about this recent article from last week? Uh, it's from the New York Times uh, that was a retraction of a previous piece uh, where a so-called journalist originally stated that 900,000 kids had been hospitalized in the U.S. due to COVID since August of 2020. Uh, but hey, guess what? Uh, when the statement was fact-checked, it turned out the actual number was 63,000 hospitalizations and under 500 deaths, which caused the New York Times to issue a retraction from this huge and drastic over-exaggeration. How does a journalist go from 63,000 hospitalizations uh, from kids under 18 to 900,000? And the original article was all for the purpose of hyping up vaccines for kids under 18. Yes, the New York Times was caught in a drastic and dramatic lie, and honestly, it seems to me this is what we've been dealing with for 20 months now. Over-exaggerations, conflicting statistics. None of this makes any damn sense to anyone who is capable of critical and independent thought and research. Yet some parents still just simply can't wait to get their kids vaccinated for COVID. And here's yet another article, and folks, please feel free to Google this stuff. Uh, fact check me. This one comes from just a couple days ago. It's from Reuters. Uh, so if people want to tell you this information is French conspiracy theory, the next stat comes from Reuters. Uh, and it's stated that, quote, Delta does not appear to make children sicker. Secondary immune response stronger after infection than after vaccine. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> comes from Reuters. Uh, Delta does not appear to make children sicker, secondary immune response stronger after infection than after vaccine. This goes along with uh, something we uh, talked about last week, uh, mentioned in the last episode. Research shows that natural immunity, uh, particularly for people under 65 years old, is 11 times more helpful to their immune system in response to COVID than the vaccine itself. Natural immunity and natural antibodies are 11 times more helpful in fighting off COVID than the vaccine. Yet this information is continually flagged as being misleading news or dangerous to public health. And by and large, people who make statements about natural immunity and antibodies uh, being more effective than vaccines are constantly being censored, banned, and deleted. Another question I want to ask, uh, what are the COVID death statistics on homeless people? Last March and April of 2021, the CDC estimate was about 350 homeless people had died of COVID. And this is despite the fact that there are over half a million homeless people in the U.S. on uh, any given day. I don't know, it's just strange to me that we have no stats or facts or figures on death rates of homeless people uh, due to COVID. Uh, though I do remember an article last year stating that COVID had had virtually no impact on the homeless community. And which is just a bit strange, wouldn't you say? Another recent article states, tragic and avoidable. U.S. COVID deaths hit 700,000. And of course, the emphasis is on us all getting vaccinated, not once, not twice, but three times, and at least once every year for the rest of our lives. But let me ask, how was this unavoidable? We were at nearly 625,000 U.S. deaths just as the vaccines were hitting the market late last year and early 2021. How is this title of being avoidable even relevant when like 90% of all U.S. COVID deaths happened before the vaccine even became available. Ladies and gentlemen, every time I look at a news headline settling this fear and these half-truths and this manipulated emotional pandering, I get both sick and enraged and I have to speak out and say something. Even if it's only the five people who might listen to this and five people who might read about it in one of my blog posts. And then whenever I read the viewer comments 
on these mainstream news articles, I get even more sick and more enraged because so many people are just buying into this face value seem completely and utterly incapable of thinking for themselves in any capacity or seeing the bigger picture or having a memory that goes beyond a week. I see an article blaming the unvaccinated for 700,000 U.S. deaths and I want to spit in the face of the fake-ass journalist who wrote this piece. We are inundated with fake-ass journalists these days who are merely doing the bidding of their corporate masters. We're over 50% of Americans now well over 50% of Americans who are fully vaccinated uh, with an estimated 80% with one dose and 80% who are believed to have antibodies at this point. Vaccinated people are still dying from COVID and they're still spreading COVID as well. But hey, it's rare and it's no big deal. If you're unvaccinated, you are the real villain and the uneducated moron, the anti-science. No matter what you might believe, about unvaccinated healthcare workers or nurses or first responders or police officers or firefighters or teachers or whatever. No matter what you are, if you're unvaccinated, you are the villain. You're unclean. <laughs> and now you're my enemy. If you don't want to be vaccinated, uh, if you don't want to vaccinate every kid uh, under 18, uh, you are my enemy. And the reason we can't return to normal. If you don't bow down and bend over to the expertise of Fauci and Biden's mandates, then you are the enemy of reason and we just can't ever return to normal. Here's your three doses. Here's your vaccine ID card. Here's your contact tracing app. You are the problem. If you don't believe what's on MSN, you're anti-science, a moron, and I hope you and your whole family get COVID and die. We're completely now uh, being encouraged to not ask questions. Do not research for ourselves, lest we be labeled crazy, anti-science, conspiracy theorists, and possibly even on the side of domestic terrorists. In Israel now, they're saying you have to have three doses to be considered fully vaccinated. So it's the two shots and the booster, and that's the only way you're considered fully vaccinated. And I don't know, it's a little strange to me how it seems to, we keep looking towards Israel uh, for the hottest COVID trends these days. And okay, folks, 700,000 U.S. deaths supposedly from COVID in 20 months. Okay, that's sad. But how does it seem that nobody else has died from anything in the U.S. in the past 20 months? Flu deaths? There were virtually no flu deaths last year. Heart disease, which annually kills 650,000 Americans. Every single year, 650,000 Americans die from heart disease, and millions of people are affected by heart disease. Yet we don't hear shit about that. It's totally irrelevant. The only deaths we care about is COVID because it's the only deaths that we can use for political purposes and the only deaths where we can constantly push and promote fear to sell new experimental drugs uh, that get pushed through with little review because everybody wants them now, now, now. Because they're terrified of dying from COVID. Terrified of dying from COVID that has a 98% rate of survival. Say, what about those 15 million deaths uh, that happened on the planet due to starvation in the past 20 months? Some of that due to the breakdown of supply chains, uh, due to COVID, lockdowns. 15 million deaths, which by the way is three times higher than how many people have supposedly died from COVID on this planet so far. But 15 million deaths due to starvation, who cares? We can't market that and politicize that, so it's irrelevant. We can't make Americans fear starvation like we can make them fear a virus. Any death besides anything other than COVID on this planet, I haven't heard anything. But if I did, it'd be irrelevant in yesterday's news. Hey, if you were fully vaccinated and got a breakthrough infection and then died of COVID, you no longer matter uh, because we already dosed you and reporting your death no longer serves our purpose. It's almost as if COVID has miraculously replaced any and all deaths from any causes over the past 20 months. And I know this is beating a dead horse, but let's look at the overall COVID survival rate uh, based on age group. This is from the CDC itself. Zero to 19 years old, the survival rate is 99.99%. 20 to 29 years old, it's 98.98%. 30 to 39 years old, it's 99.96%. 40 to 49 years old, it's 99.91%. 50 to 59 years old, it's 99.73%. Uh, 60 to 69 years old, it's 99.41% survival rate. At 70 years plus of age, it's a 97.6% rate of survival. And people can argue those stats. But overall, folks, we're looking at a virus with a death rate of under 3%, however you want to look at it. And that comes officially from the experts at the CDC. And hot off the presses from the Department of Go Fuck Yourself, 
Fauci stated last week that we probably shouldn't gather for Christmas this year unless 90% a uh, 90% vaccination rate is met. Fauci says we shouldn't have Christmas with our families unless 90% of Americans are vaccinated. Now, who in the hell do these people think they are? And how can they make such statements with a straight face? And hey, what happened to the goal of 80% vaccination that was supposedly needed just a few short months ago? It's now jumped to a 90% rate of fully vaccinated Americans before we can have Christmas. Biden stated a few weeks ago that he thought a 97% vaccination rate was needed before we could return to normal. And I wonder how many fully vaccinated people will take Fauci's advice and not gather for Christmas this year and then blame it all on unvaccinated people. We're living in a bizarro world here. It really has become idiocracy. I think Fauci is actually one of Santa's tiny little elves and wants to cancel Christmas because he doesn't feel like making toys of the North Pole this year. The lazy bastard. I'm disgusted and infuriated by this endless psychological warfare, uh, warfare campaign of reactionary and emotional responses that unfortunately the vast majority are sinking their teeth into on both the left and the right. And again, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, and I'm not saying that COVID isn't a real thing, though I am highly suspicious of the numbers and stats, and particularly the death rates attributed to COVID. But even if I took all of this at face value, and I believe every bit of it, I still see no reason for the extreme measures of forced vaccinations, vaccine passports, and the endless media bombardment revolving around COVID day in and day out on every single news outlet. I'm sorry, maybe I'm callous and a terrible human being, but I just, I'm not too worried or afraid of something that has killed like 0.3% of the U.S. population in 20 months and less than 0.1% of the total global population in 20 months. Why would anybody be afraid of that? unless it was constantly being shoved down their throats, that they simply must be worried and afraid of it. You must trust the science. It's like being afraid and worried about COVID is the new, cool fashion trend uh, for a lot of people. It's their virtue signal. It's their favorite damn TV show. Seriously, if somebody told you that if you left the house, there was a 0.3 risk that you'd be struck and killed by a bowling ball that would fall from the sky, would you just never leave the house again? If somebody told you there was a 0.3% risk of killing somebody with a bowling ball if you left the house, would you stay home? The most mentally ill and hypochondriac nation on the planet is being blatantly manipulated by media, politicians, and the pharmaceutical industry through means of social engineering, psychological warfare for nothing but political control and the record-breaking profits and the perfect opportunity for the Great Reset perpetrated by globalists and elite scumbags where the wealthiest billionaires in the U.S. have become $1.5 trillion richer due to COVID, while as much as 50% of small businesses have closed for good. An article posted just today from the website Business Insider says that based on a Bloomberg report in the past uh, two years since the start of the COVID fiasco, the top wealthiest 1% in the U.S. have now uh, gained more wealth and assets than the entire middle class population of the United States, uh, which is considered about 60% of the working class. The top 1% wealthiest in the U.S. now have more wealth and assets than the entire 60% of the population that is considered middle class. That, my friends, is part of the agenda of the Great Reset. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I was going to try to have a guest on this show this week as well as last week. But unfortunately, uh, we keep having some scheduling conflicts. But I definitely, definitely, definitely want to start doing regular interviews uh, to break up the monotony of my boring ass droning on for an hour every episode. Uh, so if you have any ideas or suggestions, please shoot them my way. And that being said, uh, you can also go over to mentalpop.space, and if you click on the microphone icon, you can record and send me a 90-second voicemail message uh, that I can play on future episodes. So I hope you'll check that out. But to close the show today, we're going to take a moment to talk about the ominous and mysterious Georgia Guidestones, as well as ideas on mass depopulation. And I want to start out by saying that, yes, we are about to talk about the Georgia Guidestones and a depopulation agenda. And yes, I'm going to go off into some areas of speculation. Uh, but I'm not trying to insinuate that the vaccine mandates right now are a depopulation agenda uh, or it's causing mass infertility or miscarriages. I'm not trying to promote that COVID vaccines are part of a depopulation plan, uh, though I am going to speculate on how this could be used as a way to lower fertility rates and cause a slow burn of deaths over the course of years associated with the COVID vaccines. 
But before we uh, should talk about any of that, let's briefly touch upon the U.S. monument known as the Georgia Guidestones, which was erected in 1980 in Elbert County, Georgia. Uh, now, the Georgia Guidestones is one of the uh, those mainstay conspiracy icons that's sure to pop up uh, for anybody who spends any amount of time researching into so-called conspiracy theories. I first learned about the Georgia Guidestones about 20 years ago, and they've always been one of those uh, go-to talking points uh, when people want to discuss the New World Order, and in particular, a population control agenda. I'm going to say something at the start here that might surprise or even upset some people. Uh, but I'm going to make my opinion known that I do not think that the Georgia Guidestones are evil or is revealing the plan and wicked plot of the globalists. If we're going to say the Georgia Guidestones are evil and wicked, uh, then we might as well just write off most world monuments out there today. Uh, famous monuments like Stonehenge or the Great Pyramids or Mayan temples as also being totems of wickedness and evil. And that argument could be made that, okay, Stonehenge and the Great Pyramids and Mayan temples uh, do indeed represent wickedness and evil, but that's not the argument I'm trying to make today. For me to say that the Georgia Guidestones are satanic or Luciferian or evil seems a bit too much like a witch hunt to me. So I'm looking at the Georgia Guidestones with a little bit more of an open mind than to just automatically assume uh, that they're showing us uh, the plan of the New World Order. But let's dig a little deeper into this, and I'm just going to make this easy and relay some uh, background information uh, on the monument from the Wikipedia page. In June 1979, a man using the pseudonym R.C. Christian approached the Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of a small group of loyal Americans and commissioned the structure. Christian explained that the stones would function as a compass, a calendar, and a clock and should be capable of withstanding catastrophic events. Joe Findlay of Elberton Granite assumed that Christian was a nut and attempted to discourage him by providing a quote to the commission, which was several times higher than any project that the company had previously taken, explaining that the Guidestones would require additional tools and consultants. To Findlay's surprise, Christian accepted the quote. When arranging payment, Christian said that he represented a group which had been planning the Guidestones for 20 years and which wanted to remain anonymous. The Georgia Guidestones are a granite monument erected in 1980 in Elbert County, Georgia, in the United States. A set of 10 guidelines is inscribed on the structure in eight modern languages, and a shorter message is inscribed at the top on the, of the structure in four ancient language scripts, which include Babylonian cuneiform, ancient Greek, Sanskrit, and Egyptian hieroglyphics. The monument stands at an approximate elevation of 750 feet above sea level, about 90 miles east of Atlanta, 45 miles from Athens, Georgia, and 9 miles north of the center of the city of Elberton. One slab stands at the center with four arranged around it. A capstone lies at the top of the five slabs, which are astronomically aligned. An additional stone tablet, uh, which is set in the ground at a shorter distance to the west of the structure, provides some notes on the history and purpose of the guidestones. The structure is sometimes referred to as the American Stonehenge. The monument is 19 feet 3 inches tall, made from six granite slabs, weighing 237,746 pounds in all. The anonymity of the Guidestones authors and their apparent advocacy of population control, eugenics, and internationalism have made them an object of controversy and conspiracy theories. <clears throat> All right, it also needs to be noted here, uh, mentioned already, the Georgia Guidestones uh, expresses itself as being meant for a future age of reason and has several astronomical features and is also believed to have a time capsule uh, buried beneath it, but the date for opening the time capsule is not included on the monument itself. And further promoting the idea of a globalist conspiracy, uh, we have several key elements, uh, with the pseudonym of R.C. Christian being the man who commissioned the Guidestones uh, R.C. Christian itself likely represents Rose Cross Christian, or the founder of the Rosicrucian Order, Christian Rosencruz. Uh, likewise, we have the erection date of March 22nd, 1980, uh, March 22nd being 322, which is also the chapter number of the Yale Order of the Skull and Bones Society. Uh, we have tons of Masonic elements with the Georgia Guidestones, numerology, symbolism, astrology, etc., etc., uh, so it's easy to see why we could uh, view this as being the goal of a nefarious New World Order plot. 
Uh, but please allow me to read the exact guidelines that are themselves displayed on the monument, and then we'll backtrack and look at it a little bit deeper. One, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Three, unite humanity with a living new language. Four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, prize truth, beauty, Love, seeking harmony with the infinite. 10. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Now, of course, the first and main two things, and really the only two things in all of those 10 guidelines that cause any real alarm, are the ideas of maintain humanity at 500 million and guide reproduction wisely. If not for those two comments, I don't think the Georgia Guidestones would have gained much attention or notoriety. Uh, but of course, the idea of population control or population reduction or an idea of uh, guiding reproduction through eugenics have raised many conspiratorial suspicions. Uh, but let me try and make a, a, some points here. I see the Georgia Guidestones as not for our age but for an age where 99% of the population has been eradicated due to nuclear war or a planetary catastrophe or something not as blatant as being a goal of the elite to depopulate some 7.5 billion people. The Georgia Guidestones were purposefully created to be able to withstand major uh, planetary uh, catastrophes and reach out to those who might still remain in a world where 99% of the human population had been destroyed. And this could be meant for people hundreds of years from now. I don't see the words maintain humanity at 500 million uh, being a plot, especially when there were already 5 billion or so people on the planet in 1980. I see that message as being meant for some future time when humanity has already been nearly wiped out by nuclear war or a meteorite or any number of planetary catastrophes. When it says maintain humanity at 500 million, it also ends with uh, being in perpetual balance with nature. Maintaining balance with nature should be a human goal and endeavor. I firmly believe that if we drastically disrespect or damage or rape or plunder the natural world, Mother Nature will eventually fight back. Uh, so what I take away from this statement, aside from maintaining the population at a certain number, is to be in balance with the natural world. And then the comment, guide reproduction wisely, which does sound like it's insinuating a eugenics ideal. Uh, but then it ends with guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Now, I understand uh, this is widely open to interpretation here, uh, but fitness nor diversity are bad things. And folks, I'm 100% not endorsing or promoting population control or population reduction or selective breeding. However, if we're dealing with a message meant for 100 or even hundreds of years down the road, uh, when and if humanity destroys itself or some global cataclysm wipes us out, Maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to have some kind of a plan and outline for whoever might remain to discover this message. And maybe humanity should show some restraint the next time around in terms of our population levels and the ability to sustain those population levels while also respecting the environment and nature. And again, I'm not an apologist for the Georgia Guidestones, uh, nor is my mind really made up one way or the other on the subject. Uh, but I'm just not one to say that all of Freemasonry is evil, or in particular that uh, the Rosicrucian uh, ideal is evil and wicked and wants a 99% reduction of the population. I highly understand the suspicions towards Freemasonry and the Rosicrucian order, uh, but I myself am a member of AMORC or the Ancient and Mystical Order of the Rosy Cross, and in no way, shape, or form do I get the vibes or impressions that AMORC is promoting a depopulation agenda or a eugenics agenda in any capacity. Uh, do I believe or agree with everything that AMORC represents or all of its information? No, 
Not at all. Of course I don't. I have several differences of opinion or different interpretations than uh, the Rosicrucian order on various subjects. But no way do I see uh, depopulation as a Rosicrucian belief or ideal. Or for that matter, do I see a depopulation agenda in terms of Freemasonry or even the so-called Illuminati of 1776 and Adam Weishaupt? I am not a defender of secret societies. Uh, but one only needs to look so far as the disbandment and persecution of the Cathars by the Catholic Church, not to mention the disbandment and persecution of the Knights Templar. Secret societies like the Rosicrucians and many others dealing in alchemical or symbolic uh, representations, ideology, uh, alternative spiritual viewpoints have suffered greatly at the hands of the Roman Catholic Church for hundreds of years. I have some sympathy for the plight of the secret society or of the pagan, or even the outright witch over the past 700 years. Hell, I have sympathy for the scientists over the past 700 years. And we can agree or disagree with science all we want, and for that matter, philosophers over the course of history. But make no mistake, there have always been scientists and philosophers who were made into martyrs due to their beliefs and research, and usually in the name of religion, and usually at the hands of the Roman Catholic Church. Interesting side note, talking about uh, 500 million people and the Georgia Guidestones. The last time the human population is estimated to have only been at 500 million people uh, was in the 14th and 15th centuries. Yes, that's right. At the height of the 1300s and 1400s, when we were at the height of both the bubonic plague and the persecution of the Inquisitions, that was the last time humans were at 500 million people. So think about that while we're at it. It took, from the beginnings of human civilization... Uh, let's say the beginning of human culture, and let's say that was, you know, about 6,000 B.C., give or take, uh, just to have a reference point. And it took uh, 7,000 years to reach a total population of 500 million people in the 1300s and 1400s A.D., yet in only 700 years, the total population of the planet has increased by 7.5 billion people. It took 7,000 years to get to 500 million global citizens and only 700 years to jump to 8 billion people. The estimation is that by 2100 AD, the population will be at about 10 billion people. Existing here in the year 2021 with 8 billion people and with the possibility of mass uh, immigrations, migrations of people due to climate changes or catastrophes in the next 80 years, is 10 billion people going to be sustainable? Can more growth and expansion be sustainable in terms of upkeep and resources? At what point have we actually done irreparable environmental damage? Is it already too late? No, what seems uh, most likely to me on how and why the Georgia Guidestones were erected comes in the actual reasoning and the actual explanation for why they were erected. A small group which, yes, probably did consist of members or previous mem members of the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians and Skull and Bones and possibly others, they planned for 20 years to erect the Georgia Guidestones, did it under the pseudonym R.C. Christian, and were able to not only afford the creation of the monument, but also had the insight and expertise to utilize several mathematical and astronomical factors, as well as several ancient and modern languages. Is it eccentric? Yes. It's obviously very eccentric. But for that matter, I'm very eccentric. If I had the capabilities, I'd probably try to erect something on par with the Georgia Guidestones too. And though I probably wouldn't say anything about population levels, I'm sure there'd be something controversial that a conspiracy theorist would say I was a, a Luciferian and a Satan worshiper. Um, but is it meant for an evil purpose or intent? Are the Georgia Guidestones actually evil? I'm not so sure about that. Now, this strikes me as something that could have, indeed, been built by a small group of eccentrics who had backgrounds in various so-called secret societies and esoteric orders who planned and saved money for 20 years to create something that's actually kind of cool and remember, uh, memorable and meant to stand the test of time. And if not for that maintained humanity at 500 million, it probably would have never gotten any attention at all by the conspiracy community. I'm definitely not saying that we should endorse or trust the meaning and intention of the Georgia Guidestones here, okay? Please let me be clear with that. Uh, but I no longer merely see them as being fuel for a conspiracy or automatically see it as witchcraft, uh, which needs to be condemned and destroyed. Whether you like it or not or agree with it or not, it's art. 
Another part of the conspiracy that people bring up to prove the Georgia Guidestones are evil is that they are supposedly 666 miles from the UN building in New York. Yet if you actually Google map it, it's more like 780 miles or something, at least by road. Now, I guess my point is, I'm not convinced the Georgia Guidestones are wicked, uh, should be boycotted or canceled, or used as a valid attempt at exposing a depopulation agenda of the elite. Is this proof of a depopulation agenda? No, I personally don't think so. Uh, but I can understand why some people would think that they were. But let's take a minute to talk about a potential depopulation agenda. Interesting factoid here. Male fertility rates and sperm count has dropped by 60% in the past 40 or 50 years. Infertility rates are up. Miscarriage rates are up. But of course, the population levels are also up too. Uh, but male fertility, in particular male fertility in the U.S., Europe, and Australia, have been on a major decline compared with the 1960s and 70s. A 60% decline. And shout out to all the scientists out there who had to analyze all those sperm samples over the past 50 years. Uh, but many studies show that male fertility rates are less than half of what they were 40 or 50 years ago. And there's no conclusive reason as to why this is other than uh, toxic environmental factors, diet, habits, obesity, uh, alcohol consumption, prescription drugs, etc., etc. There's a very wide array of collected possible reasons for the drop in male fertility over the past five decades. But the point is that the overall fertility rates seem to be on the decline, and in some cases, a drastic decline. And it begs the question if whether this was purposeful decrease of fertility rates or purely circumstantial. Probably a little bit of both. And folks, I think it would be a bit naive to think that the elite of the elite and the globalists and people who are really in power and actually do want some kind of a new world order wouldn't want to institute some type of population control, if nothing else. At what point does population not only become unsustainable for the supply chain and necessary resources, but unsustainable for the planet itself? 12 billion people and 150 years away? 14 billion people and 200 years away? At what point can the elite no longer control the simulation? I 100% believe that certain governmental and globalist think tanks want to, if not drastically reduce the population, at least level it off and be able to keep it from getting any more out of control, or even to the point of collapse. I definitely don't think it's conspiracy theory to believe there are plans and measures uh, for, if not mass population reduction, then the ability to maintain population levels at a certain rate. We only need to look at places like China. And here we go again with a little speculation in which the cynic and killer in me gets to make a statement. And again, this is just speculation. Uh, but if indeed there were a goal of mass population reduction, uh, scores of reducing the population by billions of people, what better way would there to uh, do this than to enact uh, what we're seeing right now with the max vaccine rollout? To say this again, but in less than a year, a supposed 3 billion people are now fully vaccinated for COVID with hundreds of millions more having at least one dose. And they're trying to get that up to 90 90 plus percent of the population dose with the COVID vaccine. And again, this is the, the mass murderer in me. But how actually ingenious would it be to use the vaccine to fulfill this mass depopulation? Or if nothing else, a mass sterilization and infertility agenda. And what if the vaccines uh, from the major companies uh, and the major companies making the vaccines, what if they're able to have different variations of the concoction that are able to have a sort of timed release? Say one dose typically kills people within a year, while another version, a different variant of the dose, it might be a three years. Another dose is a five-year death sentence. And last but not least, uh, yet another version of the vaccine is a 10-year death sentence. A slow burn uh, deaths, uh, which is more controllable, less suspicious, and which uh, wouldn't be tied or connected with the vaccine dose due to being several years after the fact. And yes, of course, this statement is conspiratorial. And yes, again, I'm not saying that this is what is happening. Uh, but I could fairly easy, uh, easily see how COVID shots, and perhaps now annually, uh, could be a sort of kill switch that has a timed death rate of 1 to 10 years, and thus making the death toll far more manageable 
and at the very least uh, cause an increase of rates of sterility and infertility and miscarriage. And once again, I'm not stating this as a fact here, people. It's mere speculation of a possibility if we believe the worst-case scenarios about the New World Order's plots and plans. I want to say something here in close. Uh, Just because you don't believe or trust mainstream news doesn't mean you have to automatically believe in every single conspiracy. I know people who are opposed to COVID vaccines and think the New World Order is coming, yet they also believe in flat earth theories and that holograms or CGI planes were used on 9-11 or any number of far-fetched and completely fabricated information that they found through a YouTube video or memes. Don't believe everything uh, that is information uh, that you found through YouTube videos or memes. Uh, Don't believe every conspiracy just because it's not mainstream. Just because you view it as alternative does not mean that it is true. We have to be able to research and consider information without actually believing it. Occam's razor. I do use Occam's razor, and I try to find the most likely answer and scenario. For instance, to those jokers who want to say hologram planes were flown into the World Trade Center, why would they go through such a risky and costly and elaborate plan when they could just fly real damn planes into the World Trade Center? I know a lot of people think that UFOs used energy weapons uh, to bring down the World Trade Center, to bring down the towers. I'm sorry, each their own. Uh, But when you start peddling this kind of unprovable and invalid disinfo uh, based on some extremely sketchy supposed evidence, uh, you're pretty much making everything else you talk about look like bullshit. And I 100% believe that a whole hell of a lot of conspiracy theories are in fact part of of the psychological operation to make all conspiracy look like a hoax. I think QAnon was 100% part of a Pro uh, psychological operation meant to discredit people who are actually looking for the truth. In close, make no mistake, there are indeed many bullshit conspiracy theories, and indeed many of them are actually perpetrated by the FBI and CIA themselves to make anybody who questions look like an ill-informed moron. Personally, I think Flat Earth is a NASA plot to make anybody who questions the moon landings look like idiots. Now, friends and angels and demons and interdimensional entities, we must draw this episode to a close. Uh, If we're going to hit the mandate from Biden... Uh, that podcast can only be about an hour in length from now on. Uh, but I hope you'll check out www.mentalpop.space, which is the new website. All of the episodes of the podcast will be listed there, uh, as well as a blog I'm going to be updating every couple of days. And geneticmemory.online, if you want to check out my art, possibly purchase something, uh, drop a message, say hello, or you can visit me at mentalpop31 on Facebook and Instagram, or on Facebook we have a private group called Conspiracult. I'll be back in the next week or two, and I have no idea what those topics will be, but send me a message if you have any ideas or suggestions or constructive criticisms. All right, be safe out there. Keep thinking freely. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Speak up. Speak out. And until next time, peace profound.